You're listening to the Wallsworth Yearbooks Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's me, Ask Mike, in my radio voice, talking to you guys from TAJE in San Antonio, Texas. Today, I want to get photo on the boards as quickly as possible so you guys can fix your books and fix all your publications and do better photo. So who did I go to? Who would I go to? Would I go to Bradley Wilson? No. Would I go to Mark Murray? Been there, done that. Would I go to, I don't know, Ansel Adams dead? No, I go to Mitchell Franz from Yoakum, Texas. Yay, Mitchell! Glad to be a part of this. I, I, I bet you are. I am. All right, so... This is like a lifelong dream. Th- this is a dream to be on... You know you're going to get a coffee cup. I can't wait. Okay, good. All right, Mitchell, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your... Just you. Okay. So, uh, grew up in Yoakum, Texas. Born and raised there. Um, Where's Yoakum? Yoakum is between... San Antonio, Houston, and Austin. Okay. It's like an hour and a half from Austin, two hours from San Antonio and Houston. I grew up really wanting to be a writer. Um, my grandfather was an English professor, and I loved to make up um, narratives. But I really wanted to be a part of high school journalism. After junior high band, I would see the journalism room working and they were still doing pay stubs at that time dang how old are you and uh i am 29 oh okay Ooh. yeah so they were they were just still doing pay stubs i think they stopped uh maybe the next year or year after that um but i always wanted to be a part of it so joined the high school journalism class i think my first one was j1 or desktop publishing or whatever it may have been yep and uh everyone had to take photos because we were a smaller staff so I really enjoyed taking photos, but I had a lot of encouragement from my advisor mm-hmm. to, you know, keep going. And your advisor was? Paula Adamak. Paula, who is now Paula Griffin. Right, Paula Griffin. And, and she is a Walsworth representative in, in Austin, this area. Austin, San Antonio area, yeah. yeah. And so we still we were able to do some work together for some of her schools. So she was kind of the first person to kind of really give me a go in high school journalism. Then I quickly fell in love with going to the workshops and conventions. Bobby Hawthorne, David Knight, you know, Mike, Mike Taylor. Mc- yeah, Mike, <laughs> Mike McLean at the Gloria Shields <laughs> workshop. He really had helped advance my uh, photography career. And I really, I, I fully committed. I wanted to be a photographer. And so, um, this is probably too long of a thing, but, I actually wanted my dad to buy me a camera for Christmas one year, and I hid pictures of the camera that I wanted from the B&H photo website printouts everywhere. (laughs) Golf bag, briefcase, (laughs) closet. It it was very clear what I wanted for Christmas. And so um, after high school, went on to study photography at Syracuse University with uh, Sherry Taylor. Yep. And so she was a big influence in attending Syracuse University. And uh, after Syracuse, bounced around a little bit, worked in Nashville for a little bit, managed marketing for a healthcare company for a little bit, but now I work for myself. And you're making money. Exactly. And you're supporting yourself. That's right. All right. All with photography. All right. So photo kitties out there in the world, 
Let's talk about, you said that you, everybody on staff had to take photos. Right. Okay, so that's not, that means that there's not like a dedicated photo staff. Some of our staffs have that. And maybe even a dedicated photo teacher because I think Paula taught journalism. She did. She did. And she taught photo. She did. Okay, but let's pretend that she was an English teacher or whatever. What would you tell my group from this point on, uh, the beginning of November on, what would be some advice that you would give some, a regular old photo kid? Okay. So really to improve your photography, I probably would start with some general tips, not get too specific on right. technical features like apertures, shutter speeds, ISOs, any of that. I would say study other photography. You can't open up a National Geographic. National Geographic. Uh, Walsworth has a photo contest. Yes. The national organizations have photo contests. JEA has all their archives recently added to their Smug Mug site. Right. So you can see other scholastic journalism work. Study that photography. Train your eye visually what to look for. Mm-hmm. I think that can be a, a big factor. Going past that, though, I would say a few general tips is watch your background and your edges of your frames, right? You're looking for distracting objects, things you may be able to move out of the frame. Or you move. Right, you move. Yeah. By, by you moving, by you, moving you, right. you eliminate it from the frame. <clears throat> Make the frame more interesting. A lot of photographers just look at the center of the frame and don't look at all the edges. So watch your, watch your frame, watch your background. Then I would say control your image, right? And wait for moments. Don't be impatient. No. Yeah. A lot of photographers are just impatient. You know, they want to come in, get the photo, and leave. Yep. And, you know, if you have 30 minutes to take an image for a class before you have to go back, you may wait 25 minutes for that one killer moment at the end. Yeah. Right? And I'd rather see you do that than walk in, take a picture, and leave. Yeah, because what are you getting with that? I mean, you, you just basically snap the photo, and you're done. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about really, really simple things like the way you hold the camera and 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 all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's important. It is, and a lot of photographers think that that is something trivial, but it can make a huge difference, especially if you're shooting at a slower shutter speed. So really it's as simple as taking your hand underneath the lens as opposed to being on top of it. Not only is it better than having your arm stuck out and letting someone hit it along the way, but you're also providing more of a, a, be, a better stabilization rather right. for the camera itself, right? Okay. That's for camera shake, for a lot of different things, but it helps with that slower shutter speeds. All right. My filling, big... I, I, real quick, I would say filling the frame. Yeah. Right. So when you're, when you're watching your background, waiting for moments, the other thing is fill your frame. Move closer. Walk right? over there. Run over there. A famous photographer, over there. Robert Kappa said, if your your photos aren't good enough, if your photos aren't good enough, you're not close enough. Yes, right. And so I don't recall ever seeing a high school photographer's work and saying, you ought to skew back a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they could always be closer. Right. Right. All right. So here's a question for you. What's your favorite sports shot you ever did? And how did you get it? My favorite sports shot ever. Anything? I don't know, man. There's lots of different sports. Um, How about if I ask you this? What's your most embarrassing sports shot? Do you? Oh, you, of course you can oh, hit yeah. the Oh, yeah. I mean, especially if I was going back to the high school days. Yeah. Not knowing what I know now. Yeah. 
earlier at the at this conference, I was telling somebody that you know, like photographing basketball, we all want to be right underneath the net. Yeah. But that's actually like the least opportune place to be. And in fact, when you get into college and you're photographing college sports, the larger outlets trump you in positioning, and they get the preferred spot way down on the baseline. And it actually helps to be further down that baseline because you have a, a better angle at the basket. Okay. And so because um, that's coming up, basketball season's going to start here yeah, in a couple of weeks. Right. Right. So, so that would be a good thing for our photographers to know. Yeah. And when you're right under the basket, you're just you're shooting straight up at them. You know, there's not much you can control. No. And so really being down the baseline can help quite a bit. I would say maybe one of my favorite shots, I don't want to commit all the way to my favorite, but would be I was photographing basketball at Syracuse, and it's a shot of the student section moving mm-hmm. their hands with a uh, the opponent shooting a free throw in the foreground, blurred out. Oh, and so, so it was more I, about... I think that... You know, sports reaction is not given near enough play. Nope. So it's not always about what's happening on the court or on the football field or on the baseball diamond or whatever it may be. Right. There's lots of great moments happening in the stands, on the sideline. The bench. The bench. The bench. You know? Nobody shoots the bench. I mean, right. there are schools. There are the, the best schools shoot the bench. They right. all. You, you no, know, they do. We get those coach shots. We get those team player shots. Everything. Yeah. And you know, great practice for that is volleyball. Volleyball teams cheer every play when they make a point. <laughs> Anytime they make a point, they all cheer and they go into the middle and clap their hands or yep. do something. But, you know, we just sat in and on judging of that photo contest. Right. And there was such a great image from them shooting the bench during a volleyball game of these girls reacting to. It was wonderful. It must it have was... been a monumental play. Yeah. And we needed to crop it a little bit more, I recall, but right. that came after the battle. Let me ask you this. going, Walking into the gym to, pl- to shoot basketball, volleyball, wrestling, all gym spots, what's the first thing you did with your camera? What? Any, any photography situation I'm in, regardless if it's sports or whatever, as soon as I change lighting conditions, I'm changing the settings on my camera. All right. So if I'm outside and my camera is set on 100 or 200 ISO, as soon as I walk through those doors and I'm in a different uh, lighting condition, I need to change that to 800 or 1600. All right. Because that way my exposure is ready to go. And you mess with white balance at all? You know – I uh, I really like to just leave it on auto white balance. Okay. I shoot in raw. Okay. But uh, I know and then that's you not fix al- it afterwards. Right. I know that's not always a possibility for schools to shoot in raw because of space. Right. So, but while you're changing the ISO, you could easily change your white balance as well. You want to give um, you want to give us some tips on white balancing? I mean, pretty easy. To, it's pretty easy. Um, yeah. No, white balance is pretty easy. It's just you know fluorescent. What's fluorescent light versus what's tungsten, tungsten. light? But I would also say that a lot of high school gyms or even shooting situations will put you in mixed lighting. Mm -hmm. And so I really think that custom white balance can be really great okay as a tool that's a for button on the, that's a little thing right. on your and WB. you don't need any kind of like special attachment nope. or filter you just need a piece of paper that's either white mm-hmm. it can have black ink on it it just can't have other colors okay and you have you take an image of that you don't even have to have it in focus it can be blurry no and it's just the white you paper. go into your menu and you set that as your sample image and it'll give you a custom custom white all box. right that's what i tell i tell people to put some white note cards in their their camera bags exactly and they got them. Now, some people say gray, but white's easier to find for me, so right. I'm good with yeah. white. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. So 
let's talk about what else? Oh, 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 academics. Nobody shoots academics. I don't know why high school photographers hate academics. It's the best. They treat it as the inferior subject or assignment in photography when really it's not. No. Right? So think about this. Your high school has one varsity football game a week. Right. Right? Three if you count JV and freshmen. Right. People get so excited to go photograph football, but your chances of creating great pictures are limited by the amount of time and the frequency those events happen. Think about how many classes are going on every day mm-hmm. throughout your school. Across, times every room. <laughs> times every room across all different subject matter. Right. And I also think that, you know, especially entering contests, academics is, is not really well what do we get? We get art pictures and we get cut open a cat. Right. There's other stuff. But, I mean, <laughs> picture yourself. Have you ever been in a class when, you know, there's laughter and a good moment? You know, maybe one teacher is really funny or something like that. I also think that there's moments we miss by not keeping a camera with us. And so if schools would say, okay, hey, John, it's your day to keep the camera with you all day. Right. There's That's a couple a different idea. aspects of this. One, it gets the students and the teachers, your, your peers, used to you having a camera around and documenting student life. Okay. Two, it gives you a camera that's available to you for more moments throughout the day than just when you're going during your class or after, after school, school or something. Yeah. And if you can't keep a camera with you, then, you know, the, the one that's in your pocket is really great. Right. Yeah. So I know schools sometimes have cell phone. Rules, I was talking. But yeah, but I can't imagine walking up to the meanest teacher at our school, and I'm going to tell you right now, the meanest teacher at the school that I taught at was me. No, it wasn't me. Um, it was it was uh, Mr. Jackson was a math teacher, and he took it serious. Now, great guy, excellent guy, but I can't imagine you walking up to Mr. Jackson and saying, "Hey, Mr. Jackson, I'm on the yearbook staff, newspaper staff, podcast staff, whatever." I'm taking photos. Can I get some photos in here today? Wouldn't have a problem with it at all. He was not going to have a problem. You ask him ahead of time. You were professional. Right. I can't imagine it. Another thing, I I, I don't think staffs communicate with the other teachers enough. No. You know, send out a regular notice. Hey, if there's anything great going on in your class, we would love to come photograph it. Yep. Right? Then make a print for them or email them a photo. website. Yeah. So teachers want to have their classes documented, and they want to show what cool things they're doing. Exactly. And, um, and and you can't tell me there's an English teacher or a history teacher, and those are the two hardest, I think, to pick, because they sometimes you think they don't do anything. That's not true. Right. They're doing speeches. They're in groups, reading monologues. They're doing all sorts of things. They still do special projects right. from time to time. They're just not cutting open a cat. And then, really, great photography is about taking the ordinary and showing it in an extraordinary way. Right. And so, Ooh, I like that. you know, if if you think you're a great photographer, you ought to accept the challenge of, hey, I want to go make an excellent academic photo. Yeah. Hey, everybody, make academic photos. Mitchell said so. Exactly. That's right. We're not messing around. We want to. Matter of fact, let's do this, Mitchell. Let's give away a prize. Oh, let's have a contest. You want to have a contest? Let's do it. We literally were on. Um, this is all. What do you call Spur it? The Spur moment, of the moment. Spontaneous. What should we give away? I'll come up with something cool. Like a some B&H gift, cards. gift card? Uh, come, yes. Or a memory card or something? We'll give out two 
$50 B&H gift cards if you put in only academic photos uh, for the month of November, and I'm going to have Mitchell judge them. And they have to tag. And we, oh, Mitchell and Margaret can have like a conversation about them. <laughs> and they have to tag. What are we going to tag? We're going to hashtag Ask hashtag Mike. Show. Hashtag Yeah. Hashtag Ask Mike and hashtag Ask Mitch because he's now my new sidekick. <laughs> I like All it. All right. Yeah. And by the way, Mitchell is an amazing photo teacher that can easily come out to your schools. Now, he lives in Texas, so you're going to spend some money to get him there. But hello, he's an amazing photo teacher that could really boost some amazing photography throughout the country. Contact me if you want to contact Mitchell, but we're not done. This is just the beginning no, I, of this show. What? How long have we done? We have only done 18 minutes. I appreciate that you, you, you give me that plug, but I also think that recently I did a workshop between two schools. Yes, you and did. And one advisor called the other advisor and said, hey, I'm thinking about bringing in Mitchell. Would you want to split it? And it's a, actually a great experience for both schools to go. be able to take part. All right. So we've covered uh, some ac- uh, sports and we've covered academics. How about student life? Just regular student life. What would be something that would just mm, make your photo, your book better? Or your- so I really think this is about having the camera with you, right? The best so one you have with if you. If you're not carrying the camera with you, the actual DSLR, then you have your iPhone. Right? Yes. I really want to see – I've been to high school. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I know was. all the fun oh. things that we do outside of the class and outside of school. Right. Sitting on your car hood in the parking lot talking. I want to see that. Right. If you're in a rural community, then I know a lot of people go hunting. Right. Yes, they do. So maybe some kind of hunting thing. Right. Or the girls shopping Fishing. at the mall or whatever. Going it on may a be. date. And it doesn't have to be anything extra where, oh, I've got to go borrow a camera from Miss Griffin and then go with my friends and photograph them and force the situation. No, just have a camera with you. If you're not taking a camera, you have your cell phone. And then when your friends are doing something fun, you snap it, right? right? right. If they're at the mall shopping and then you decide to go into the arcade or to the go-karts, grab some cool photos of it. That's right. Right? Don't force the situation. And don't pose them. No, exactly. Live life and just capture the moments that you come across. Absolutely. That's a great way to do it. How do you feel about the old pose photograph? You know, all the gang in the the courtyard with their arms around each other? I hate it. And I think that uh, the other thing is you have to just don't give in to that. When people start to pose, you know, maybe take one real quick and then kind of put the camera down and just say, oh, no, I'm just here to document the situation or I'm just looking to take candid moments. And if they still act like they want to pose, just, you know, maybe look at the back of the camera or look away and just let them go back to their normal life. Right. Yeah, we don't need to make a big deal about it. No, but exactly. You don't want and then just picture. wait for something else to happen. They're going to move on very quickly. That's right. Yeah, they're going to they get bored quicker than we do. Exactly. Yeah. And people can tell when it's a fake moment. Yes. Right. I mean, the viewer knows. We saw some up there. We exactly. knew exactly what was going and they and then they entered them in contest. And you mentioned this earlier, entering contest. Oh my gosh, there's a zillion of them out there. People, uh ATPI which is Association of Texas Photography Instructors, will let 
any state join that. Right. And I think it's free. I might be wrong. It might have a – Some of the contests have nominal fees. Yeah, but, but they're not very much. No, and they have no. like three or four or five a year. Right. Yeah, it's right. pretty cool. And right. the more you enter, the right. better off you're going to be. No. I mean in the national organizations have contests. Right. Uh, JEA, NSPA. Yep, CSPA. Uh, Wallsworth has a photo contest. And it's going to be coming up in January. Um, and there's – I mean there's, there's lots of contests out there to enter. But – Definitely, just, you know, it's something to strive for. Yeah. Give me one thing, one tip that will make me a better photographer. I think I'd go back to waiting for moments. Yeah. Okay. That are that are filling the frame. Okay. Right? And mine would be rule of thirds. Always shoot rule of thirds, no matter what you do. Yeah. Because the reason is, is sometimes we blow up these big photos and you don't have any place to put them put other stuff on them. But if you use rule of thirds, you might have some negative, negative space. space. Yeah. Yeah. So but, that would be me. Yeah. But I want to see, I want to see you fill the frame. Oh my gosh. Get closer. You know, I don't need all the extra wasted space sometimes unless it's adding to the story of the image. Yeah, that's true. How about, how about this shot back to football? Sorry. The shot where you got the stands and you got everybody cheering in the stands, but you have that thing I call the wedge and it's like, there's this weird triangle in, up in the upper right-hand or left-hand corner. What's caused that? What causes that? It's like a, it's like negative space. Like the sky is up there. Well, that's it's, just the end of the stands with the sky right above it. So can you get rid of that? It just drives me nuts. Yeah, I think so. I think that, um, you know, sometimes you turn from the football field and you're taking a picture of the fans, whereas go right underneath them and have them screaming directly over you. Okay. Right? Yeah. Or go get in the middle of the crowd. Yeah. And be right there in the moment. Mark Murray said something one time that I thought would be awesome. He goes, "We always take the. This is not about football. Uh, we always take the picture of the kids cutting open the cat in biology. We never show the cat's point of view of that scaffolding coming at them. Not scaffolding. Scaffolds. Scaffolding. That's for architect class. I screw up." We all do. Mike, okay. this is the Mike show. There ain't nothing normal about this show. <laughs> hey, at least at least you're enough of a person to admit when you mess up. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, shooting those kids and those facial expressions from down exactly. where the cat exactly. was. So there it is. So there's two things about that kind of too. One, watch watch your frame. Right? Yeah. Watch your background. Can you remove something that's distracting by getting lower or getting higher, moving to the left, moving to the right? And the other thing is to go back to something I said earlier, our job is to show the ordinary in an extraordinary way. Amen. Right? And so if we take our responsibility seriously of documenting the school year for the yearbook, we don't need to take life at a normal 5'9", 5'10", height with the camera Right. That's what so we much, see all the time. So much can be done from the grasshopper, the worm point of view, or the bird point of view. Right. But another thing is, show me that access that 95% of the student body in your school doesn't have access to. Right. That's true. Push for the locker room shot. Yeah. Push for the backstage shot at an auditorium or a play. Or a teacher preparing for class. Exactly. I want to see the unexpected, and I want to be taken to a place where I normally couldn't go. Have you ever seen a perfectly photographed yearbook? I don't think so. No. 
Yeah, I'm aiming for that one day. I've got a couple in mind that are doing close, but I'm talking about composition-wise. They might have leading lines, they might have curves, they might have repetition and all that stuff, but sometimes it's like you went out there and went, snap, snap, snap. Exactly. And you came back in and said, hey, Miss Griffin, I'm done. Right. And but really? Yet, but yet nothing. We'll, but yet we'll take a selfie and we'll oh. overanalyze how we look in the selfie. I had four people tell me in there that the selfie wasn't, you know, wasn't perfect. Yeah, exactly. And where do you hold the camera when you do a selfie? Up high. You hold it up high. So why aren't we doing that with other pictures? No, we just take them right here. Yeah. At our normal height. And then we don't even look in the viewfinder. We look in the, we look at the, the big screen. <coughs> no, stop. Look in there and let me see what you're doing. Right. Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, we're at. We got, we're only we at a half time. hour. Let's, let's, let's keep on talking. Yeah, we got plenty of time. What else, what other topics on, on photo that you want to talk about? The sidebar portrait. You know, oh, you, really, you mean the Lindsay Lohan look? Yes. It up just, against the wall with the number? It just drives me crazy. Amen, brother. I mean, why can't we improve that after Can't's all lap. these years? What is that? We did those back in the 80s. I, I mean, 90, I, 90s when I was. Young. I mean, that's the laziest thing ever. Oh, we need a picture of uh, Billy Bob. Let's go put him up against the lockers right outside the journalism room. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lazy. Yeah. Right? What would you do to fix that? The easiest thing is move your subject away from the background. Create some separation, right? Some Some distance with that depth of field. Okay. Right. So in order for there to be less depth of field, there's a couple of different ways you can get that. One, by having a, a lens that opens up wider. Mm-hmm. Right. You can zoom in mm-hmm. more and compress foreground and Or background. you can buy an iPhone 10. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just throw it in portrait mode. Or you could just kind of move your subject away from that background. So instead of having them all the way up against that, the lockers or the, the wall in the hallway. Right. Put them at an angle and... Put 10 feet between them and, and the lockers. And let right? them talk to somebody or, or do something other than stare right at the camera. Every theme, maybe not every, but almost every theme has some kind of color element to its theme package. Yes, it right? does. Yes, it does. Why aren't we using cheap $40 background paper? That you can and, buy at B&H or exactly. anywhere. Or you could maybe even do it cheaper if you just did cardboard paper sure. and you know put them together. But use color blocking behind these portraits to help tie that element throughout the book. Right. I like that. You know? And so I'm okay with it being a simple, consistent background. Mm -hmm. It'd be better than having them right up against the wall. Okay. I like that. That's awesome. No more wall pictures, people. All right. Here's a question for you. How do you feel about cobs? Cobs? Cut out backgrounds. (sighs) It's got to be a rare situation for me. But people do it all the time. I think they're overdone. Yeah. You know, it's a, uh, I look at it as a visual crutch. Okay. You're basically telling me that. That's what I'm supposed to look at in the photo. The background of the photo is, is not strong enough or something was very distracting. Now, m- rules are meant to be broken sure. to a certain extent, sure. right? And so there's definitely some use cases where it totally works for it to be a cutout, right? Yeah. Maybe it's a more graphical situation. Maybe we're really going to play up a typographical treatment mm-hmm. with the image. I think it could be interesting in secondary story packages as a part of the larger main focus. Yeah. Right. And so, but I don't want to lean on that. No. You know, and oftentimes I see bad cutouts too. So it's like. They don't take their time. Yeah. Take your time, people. Okay. One, another thought. Copy on your pictures. Copy. Captions 
or regular copy? How do you feel as a photographer about that? I hate seeing copy on a photo. If it's going to be on a photo and it has to be on a photo, I, okay, first off, think about the photographer, right? right? They've created this this piece of work, right? How would you feel about the person that wrote the story to cover up part of it, okay? I think that's an important consideration I like to that. give. A lot of times I'll compare also photography to baking. If I were to bake a cake and then I wanted to oh, let great. someone else – just put something over part of it mm-hmm. or cover up part of my mm-hmm. work, how would I feel about that? Okay. Right? Now, I know there's definitely situations where things have to be made, there's compromise or whatever. Maybe do a better job. W- work with photos that have the negative space. Maybe do some kind That's of... That's why I like rule of thirds. Yeah. Use yeah. color blocking behind the captions. You know, maybe if that's one of your design elements in your theme of using a background behind your text, right, with a, with color bars or something Okay. to pull in that element. My biggest thing that I don't like, and I tell kids all the time, I don't want any kind of copy on anybody's face. I don't care if it's a blurred face or a face of an opponent. Don't put it no. on a face. That's a definite no. Yeah. If you're ever going to put fo- – if you're ever going to put text over a photo – it needs to be at least some kind of clear negative space. It needs to be easily readable okay. because who's going to read that? Who's going to read They're that copy read over it. a distracting background? Anything with a texture behind it. I'm talking about running water or waves or anything. They're not going right. to read it. Exactly. They're not going to read it. Exactly. So here's- and if content is really driving your design, I almost wonder where'd you start, right? Did you right. add in that content later or is content really driving your design? Ooh, that's a whole nother. I like that. So you got your photos, you got your story, now you're going to design. What are you what are you aiming at first? What are you going to look I'm for? I'm going to start with my visuals. Yep. And it's not because I'm just a visual person, but it's because we live in a visual world. Right. And, and think a of yearbook everyone, is a visual Exactly. Tool, think so. of everyone with Instagram and Snapchat. Right. We're living in a visual society. Uh, Pointer is a journalism organization. They did this eye track system mm-hmm. uh, test uh, many years ago. Oh, you probably And did. everyone – that they, they had them wear goggles and look at newspapers. The first place they look is the photo. Mm-hmm. The second place is the headline. The third is the caption. So the story, the actual body copy is the last thing they're getting to. I'm not saying it's less important. No. But in terms of visually designing something that is going to draw people in to that spread and convey the story overall, you have to start with the images. And if you get a good image headline – Good caption placement. It's going to draw on. We're doing a web webcast. Thank you, um, <coughs> Lila Millette. Man, what about that guy? What is the deal? Calling me in the middle of my web. Everybody <laughs> thinks he's such a nice guy. He's not. <laughs> he's not. All right. Um, so you brought up some two things that I want to talk to you about. What about overlapping photos and cut-ins? You know, overlapping photos doesn't doesn't really work for me. Now, remember, people, we're talking to a photography-driven person, and and that's important because sometimes, yes, overlaps might look good, but you need to hear it from Mitchell's point of view. As someone that's visual, again, I think that's a crutch that you rely on to try to tell something else, or you're cramming that space. Are you... You know, are you best using that space in your page effectively, visually? You know, the cut-ins, if you're keeping consistent margins and space between your elements, um, maybe you're doing some color blocking with the cut-ins or something, I could see that working more. But 
there needs it, it needs to be a stylistic thing that's carried throughout the book consistently. Right. I definitely don't want to say, oh, beautiful margins, beautiful margins. We've maintained you know these margins all the way through the book, and then I get to a spread, and now we're overlapping. That's a disaster. Yeah. And so I'm like, where did we abandon our visual style guide? Okay. I like that. So that, if you're going to uh, do it, make it consistent at least. There you go. Okay. And you, and it's okay to do it. He's not saying don't do it, but we're talking to a photographer about looking at what his work was. It would be the exact same thing, as you said, as tailing, um, overlapping a story, putting another story on top of another story. Right. Yeah, that's not right. So you brought up the Pointer Institute earlier and their visual uh, studies. What do you think about photos in geometric shapes, which includes circles? It just doesn't really work for me. Why? I think, again, it's a crutch to make something different, right? I could maybe get more on board with it if, it again, it was done consistently. It related to some kind of design theme that we're carrying through. What? Um, we're, we live more in a so, bubble? More so circles than anything else. Oh, yes, but circles. stars or triangles, no. And I would also... What is the circle conveying that the square can't? Right. Or that the rectangle can't? What are you benefiting by using the circle? Yeah. yeah right? I don't think you are. And so part of the thing I love with good design is clear, consistent boundaries, margins. I like to be able to have that ability for my eye to breathe yeah. around the photo a little bit yep. with that consistent margin. And so that goes against having a circle where all of a sudden I have these nice, beautiful margins that I've kept and these eye lines. And then all of a sudden I have a circle that's breaking the flow of the other images. That's true. Okay. Now, Let's go back to that contest again because we want this done by December 1. You have to enter on November 30th by midnight, hashtag Ask Mike, and we're going to document academic photos. Exactly. And we're going to do it in a way that is showing the ordinary in an extraordinary way. Amen. And and we're going to give out two. Mitchell's going to pay for these. I'm kidding. I'm going to do it. You don't we, have to we can, about it. We can scrounge some no, we'll, we'll get. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. go do, do a GoFundMe. I think we'll take donations at T-A-J-E. I think that's a good idea. Or J-E-A will get even more. Or we'll um, just make Leland pay for it. Leland. There we go. Leland, you're paying for this. No, we're going to give away two $50 B&H gift cards and several other prizes to be um, maybe a Sonics card or something like yeah. that. <laughs> no. All right. Well, any any last kind of Mitchell Franzi-isms? The Franz. Oh, I'm going to start calling you that. <laughs> I would just say the best camera that you have is always the one that you have with you. Which right? is right now. It's All, always, our phone. always be shooting. Yeah. Um, and don't downplay the importance of visuals. I like that. And how they can, you know, really matter. Yeah. In your book, right? I, I think that's important. Um, you know, in 20, 30 years, when you look at that yearbook and all that hard work that's done, yeah, the stories are great, right? The captions are great. The quotes are great. But, I want to see the faces of my classmates. And I want to see their reactions. I think tears are yeah. in a game are important or laughter right. in the halls, important. And visuals can transpose us to that previous time, mm -hmm. right? We can look at that image and immediately go back to where we were at that moment. Yeah, and, you've, and even if you weren't actually there – you experience that moment from... It's almost like a little daydream or something. Exactly. Oh, I like that. 
Mitchell Franz, people, Mitchell Franz. Again, you can contact him through. Do you have like a website or or, or yeah? Okay, um, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram. Follow whatever. Mitchell. Uh, and by the way, Mitchell and Mike are going to do a TikTok. We have to make sure we get our TikTok things exactly. going. Exactly. Okay, we're going to do a TikTok today. Should we include Millet? I don't know. He was late. That's true. He's always late. No, but I do love that guy. So He's maybe, maybe so. Yeah. Leland's cool. I talk about Leland in a lot of my podcasts. <laughs> He's a great Poor, guy. He is a good guy, and he does good photography stuff, too. He does. Yeah. He, he does. His program is definitely one to watch. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, another program I've worked with a lot is Alyssa Berenger oh my. at McKinney. They're doing great things. And usually. don't forget Kurt, because Kurt, Alyssa and Kurt are a yes, great team. No, Kurt, Curtis Christian is a, is a big force over there, yeah. and those kids are really doing some great work. Oh, amazing. Um, and they love it. They yeah. have a good time. Yeah. And the kids love it. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. And the book shows it. The the, kid, the book shows that exactly. love. Exactly. Well, we have to go to dinner now. So it's we've been talking to you for 40 minutes. I think that's pretty good, don't you? Okay. All right. Mitchell Franz and Mike Taylor. Ask Mike and ask Mitch. Out. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, brother.